You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. We say it all the time. You know where to find us. You know what we're doing. We're not stopping in the offseason. We're keep going. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about a look ahead to free agency. We're going to be looking at everything that uh, the big decisions the Lions have to make. We're also going to be talking about, uh, we'd like to do this every year, 2023 season superlatives. Yeah. Yeah. We've had some friends cooking in the lab for this one, and we'll introduce them in a second. I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter your host for the POD cast and the man behind the scenes who puts all the sound together. Joining me as always, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit online. Hi, Jeremy. What's up everybody. Uh, Hi. Good to be back. It and I'm excited good. for the show. It's a, it's a nice mix of going forward, looking forward to some of the internal moves the lines are going to have to make or not make, and then look back and uh, celebrating a little bit of what the season that just was. So we'll basically be in neutral, all things equal then. That's right. Balance. Yeah. The Balance in all things. Balance in all things. That's right. And a man who's been busy putting together the big star of today, been putting together all the superlatives, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, isn't this one of your favorite episodes? Yeah, it, it is true. In fact, I was voted most likely to create a list of superlatives. So oh, look at you. Uh, I, I, I've that has come to fruition. We like Hold doing on. it. What can we say? <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate the work. Uh, I don't think we have to do any uh, cleaning here, so we can just dive right into it. Uh, first step is heading towards the offseason. And the first step, of course, is as much as the draft might take our attention, we have to figure out free agency. And here we want to talk about extensions and re-signings. Those have been the ones that have been most in the news lately. Uh, I think we saw Julian O'Quara not long ago leave for the Philadelphia. Uh, is it signed for the Philadelphia Eagles? Do I have that right, Eagles? Yep. Yes. And I believe we just had the numbers come out, Jeremy, about, um, where does it come up to about 1.3 million deal with about five 500,000 guaranteed. So we can already take him off there, but there's a whole other list of free agents for the Lions to discuss here coming from their own team. And we want to talk about re-signings. So let me just start with this. Like, let's leave beside the extensions. We'll talk the extensions in a second. But the biggest re-signing of the unrestricted free agents right now for Detroit. Where are you going with it? And what are the biggest conundrums on your wall? Yeah, well, I think I think it starts with keeping the offensive line as together as you possibly can. It, it was the strength of the team. It was the engine under the hood, it was whatever analogy you want to make. Uh, it, it was essential to the Lions' success last year. And you have both Jonah Jackson and, and Graham Glasgow both set to become free agents. Uh, I think we can all probably 
say wave our goodbyes to Halapuli Vati Vaitai, considering he's also a free agent, but has dealt with a back injury the past two years and considered retirement last year. Um, probably where this is headed this year. So I think that's that's where you start. Jonah Jackson and, and, and Graham Glasgow. And and I'm not saying go resign those guys, bring it back, run it back. But I'm also not saying don't do that. Um, I think Graham has to be your priority because he's the guy that's been more reliable. He's a guy that brings a little bit more versatility. He's going to come at a more reasonable price, but more expensive than he was last year, as Graham clearly stated he wants. Jonah is a, is a much more difficult conversation, and you have to wonder where the Lions sit in that conversation, considering they had all of last offseason to go, you know, go into 2023 and not have to worry about Jonah's longstanding um, contract with, with the team that, you know, they normally when, when you have a starter who's playing at the level that Jonah has in Detroit, you know, he's a pro bowler one year um, you, you come to a deal before they're on their final year of the contract and and they didn't. And so you have to wonder if, if there's a little bit of hesitancy there and Jonah didn't have his best year and he dealt with injuries again. So I don't know where they stand there. I don't know how much Jonah is going to be asking for, but this is a team that's already spending more money than anyone else on their offensive line. They're going to pay Panay Sewell, if not this year, next year. At some point, you have to take a concession somewhere. And I'm starting to think maybe it's it's Jonah. It very well could be Jonah. And, and I think that the reason why it's Jonah is because his body of work outside of, I think, maybe for the better part, I would say, of the second half of the season, right? Like he he missed a couple weeks with a wrist injury. Uh, came back. He he also missed some time. Um, you know, it, it was from after the Carolina game, um, and then he came back for the uh, Chargers game, uh, and then missed some time, and then came back for the Saints game. Like, and then I mean, let's not forget how he ended the season too, right? right. Like, I mean, knee surgery on top of that, and that was something where Lions fans were going to have to be hopeful and crossing their fingers had they finished out the second half in Santa Clara and went to the Super Bowl. Uh, but this isn't like the first year that Jonah Jackson has dealt with injuries. Right. And right. Th- I think the thing that a lot of people get caught up when it comes to paying players is thinking too much of the good times that we had. And this is going to be one of the difficult parts of free agency moving forward for a football team that is much better. Right. Like mm-hmm. I, I think having difficult internal discussions about players that, should be rewarded and stayed or should be rewarded and and stay in Detroit versus a player like Jonah Jackson, where it feels like I I don't want to say his best years are behind him. Right. But I, I I think that it's, you don't want to get caught paying for past performance. And that's the slippery pitfall that you can, you can land into with some of these players. The reason that I think you would be more, um, Chris, I, I think you would be more inclined to re-sign Graham is the price tag will be significantly less, I think. I think Jonah's looking for a mm-hmm. bigger deal because Graham already got his, you know, extension from his from his rookie deal, right? Um there's also you know, the versatility of Graham Glasgow in that. Like you don't want him playing center, but assuming, you know, you have to have contingency plans for Frank Ragno's health. And Graham gives you a good starting guard who can also kick to the center position. He does. And, and and that's why he was brought here in the first place, right? Like the right. Lions lose Evan Brown. Hey, they can plug and play a guy who, you know, didn't have a starting job when, when he came to Detroit and he earned that starting job because, you know, of, of Vitae's injury. And I, I think that's part of the calculus, too, is that not only do you have holes at two spots, it, it's really easy to just say, well, Colby can step up. I, I don't think that the Lions are ever thinking that way, right? Like the Lions have three interior offensive linemen that they need to replace heading into next Mm. year. Moving outside the offensive line, I think there's like two specific parts that I also look at as far as free agency. And I guess it goes with it it goes with. Let's start with the defensive bet with the DBs, because I know he, he. he was someone who like the Lions really put a lot of stock into to perform this year. And obviously the, the injury kind of shreds a lot of it. But I think if the if CJ Gardner Johnson wants to be back in Detroit, he does sound like he will be back. He will be back in Detroit. I think the question is where his contract goes, Jeremy. Like, does the does the injury hurt him uh, or or help him? 
in in particular. I mean, the Lions definitely have shown like they have a, a desire for him to be here, even though they've drafted Brian Branch. And at the same time, too, depth at DBs, too, like I, Jerry Jacobs, I don't think is going to be back with Detroit next year. But he's another one who is due up for for a contract. Yeah, there's. There's a lot to work on at, at, at DB right now. And Gardner Johnson is a really tough one because, of course, you'd like someone with that sort of talent and, and attitude and body of work. You know, he, he I remember watching him in, in training camp and being like, this guy absolutely lived up to the billing. Like, I see why people were calling him special. I see why Brad Holmes woke up his entire family when he's when he signed him. But the fact of the matter is, I don't I don't think it's a good match anymore. I just don't like, and it's not, it has nothing to do with his personality has nothing to do with his, his effort on the field or, you know, I wouldn't call him injury prone. It's kind of a freak thing. I think it's just a matter of there is not a spot, a starting spot for him on this roster. Brian Branch is, is going to be this team's nickel going forward. Fatu Melifanu and Kirby Joseph are going to be your two starting safeties. And as much of a professional as, as he handled it, Gardner Johnson, said in no uncertain terms, I didn't come back from this injury to be part of a rotation. He does not want to be part of a rotation. And so yeah. I'm sure the Lions would welcome him back, but I don't see why CJ Gardner Johnson would sign here unless the Lions can blow him out of the water with a deal. And it wouldn't make any sense for them to do that because or, again, or they not a, there's nothing beyond a, a, a rotational role for him here. Yeah, unless Afatu Melifonwu, this is just a flash in the pan for him, but I don't, or maybe the team doesn't think of Kirby Joseph like they do, but the difference is, is that the the price tag on someone like C.J. Gardner-Johnson is going to be a lot higher than than either of those options, and both those options, I'm pretty sure, are locked down still. Neither of them are free agents, is that correct? Yeah, if he's on, it's going into his last year, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so like, yeah. Sorry, go on, Ryan. Uh, So I I think another part of the the C.J., um details is yeah to, to jeremy's point playing time right and that the the opportunity that provided itself a year ago is not here and i think that you know the injury happened right he didn't get his opportunity to play all season long and maybe rack up another year of interceptions and another year of good play that he could put on tape and say all right mm-hmm. now it's time for me to get paid because he's in a spot where like he's going to want a big payday right I don't know if he's going to get that here, right? There's too many other mouths to feed. They have much cheaper options on rookie cost-controlled contracts and Kirby Joseph and Afatu Malafanwu. We we all thought, Jeremy, right, going into training camp, CJ Gardner-Johnson's the nickel corner. Nope, that's Brian Branch, like you said, yeah. right? So, yeah. it, you know, musical chairs, the music has stopped. I don't think that there's a spot for CJ Gardner-Johnson because he's probably looking at an, he has to be thinking, I need to go somewhere else where I can get a ton of playing time. I might have to take another one year mm-hmm. deal. He'll but definitely have that, to. That, that's the yeah. tricky part of this whole thing though, right? Like he bet on himself last year, took a relatively cheap one year deal he here did. in Detroit. Yeah. He's not going to get better than that this year. Yeah. yeah. I, I, that I, just didn't pay off. And unfortunately these, the situation changed throughout the year for him. Like suddenly yeah. it was like, you know, just wait until CJ Gardner Johnson comes back. The way he comes back, Ryan, like suddenly it's, Oh, if he's come on. Oh, like it feels like Kirby Joseph is the second safety. Oh, Brian branch is a playmaker. Like you have three, three playmakers all here in the DBs, like no room, no room. And you're going to command a pretty well respectable price tag. Yeah. And, and this coaching staff is all about competition and the best players playing and if you want playing time, I don't think that there's much playing time to be had if you're C.J. Garner Johnson. The other thing, though, Emmanuel Mosley, right? And and I think that's an interesting discussion to have because th- that's a guy who for sure will not get anything beyond a one-year deal. And if anybody's going to give him a one-year deal, it seems like, Jeremy, that Detroit would have the leg up. And mm-hmm. it, it seems like that's just a match that is bound to happen because why not? Like, why 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 not do that? Yeah, I mean, the tricky part, again, is is Brad Holmes going to continue to roll the dice on injured players, right? It's it's kind of that whole mantra that he's built, oh. you know, and, and earned, right? He's earned that kind of reputation. And DJ Shark, Charles Harris. Right. Yeah. All the draft picks. That, that, the open that have box been specials. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's there's little harm in it. He's not going to get a big deal, obviously. It's it's probably not going to cost any team that that wants him more than two or three million in, in cap space. So maybe you roll that dice, but 
you got to remember, this is about the same time he tore his ACL last year and he missed the first month of the season. He wasn't ready for training camp. He wasn't ready for OTAs. Are you prepared to throw him into the season again without that work? He he did have that little setback. I mean, he it true. seemed like he was That's on true. track and he didn't yep. have that little setback. I forgot about so, that. That is true. But at the by the same token, the guy has torn his ACL two years in a row. I, different knees, right? But yep. it's like I, th- there's there's a lot for him to overcome. It feels like a match could be made, though, where the Lions would be, again, they'd be inclined to give him a heavily incentivized contract in terms yep. of like games played, right? Yep. Like on, on, on active game day roster. And it seems like they would have the leg up and and, and it makes sense, I think, for both parties. Yeah. And it's, again, that that idea of just adding competition. He's not your plan A, but he's a guy that if he's M- active, might not be your healthy, plan B. You might not be. <laughs> you kind of hope maybe not even your plan B. But like if he's in the room and he's healthy and he's competing, well, we were talking about it in the midweek mailbag. It's important to have three healthy cornerbacks that can step in and play and maybe he wins the competition too because the Lions aren't going to be like oh we're only paying you two million stay on the bench buddy that's not how they operate is there any other I I think the only other position I have and it's one that would dovetail into our extensions and it's not too much but like the two wide receivers you have up for contracts right now are Donovan Peoples-Jones which okay uh doesn't really (laughs) Doesn't really like it's it's depth and uh, like it's just he's there. I mean, you've got Antoine, you've got Antoine Green in kind of that same depth position as it is. But Josh Reynolds is due money at this point. He's 20. He's going to be 29 if he's not already. Um, He is. He is 29. Excuse me. Uh, And like coming off a two year, six million dollar contract. And I guess the question is, how much of a priority is that? Obviously, the 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 chemistry with Jared Goff is there. The production is there. It feels like that is someone who will be rewarded. But I would also ask, like, is that someone you reward regardless of how available wide receivers are both in free agency and the draft as well? Yeah, Josh Reynolds kind of strikes me as that guy that you sign just so you're in good position in case you don't get the wide receiver you want in the draft. Like, good insurance, a solid starter. Is he going to blow the doors off every week? No, but he's going to be a guy that goes out and does everything that you want. He's generally very reliable regardless of how his season ended, and the Lions love him. And so, to me, I I think it makes a lot of sense to re-sign him. He's not going to break the bank. Um but again, like you don't you don't sign Josh Reynolds and then just clean, you know clear clean your hands you you're you're set at wide receiver you don't you don't go in with that attitude you you sign him because you want that depth he's affordable he likes it here and and he knows what's expected of him I actually think and this is there's no insider sources I I would not be surprised if the Lions re-signed Donovan Peoples Jones either because I know I know he didn't provide much of anything this year but. Remember that he got thrown into a tough situation. I mean, you're like you we know how much how long it takes sometimes for these receivers to develop a chemistry with a guy like Jared Goff, right? Like it took Amon Ra his entire like the first three months of his rookie season. It took JMO a year and a half. Like it takes a while. And if the Lions are trading draft capital for this guy in the middle of the season and not playing him, clearly there there's something that they saw in him. And maybe they're they're willing to give him another year and just saying, hey. Let's let's get a full offseason with Jared Goff and, and maybe you'll develop into something a little bit more than what we got in 2023. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, it'll be cheap at the end of the day. Uh, the big thing, I think Josh Reynolds, to go back to the phrase that we used earlier, Ryan, it, it does feel like that could be a thanks for the memories. But this is the big boy football grown up decisions that have to be kind of made here that could seem kind of callous. Yeah. And, and, and we know how much. Josh Reynolds role diminished as soon as Jameson Williams came back too, right? Like, yes, but you, you also don't want to discredit the fact that that guy had 20 catches for first downs in the first seven games. Like it, it was a running joke where like every catch that Josh Reynolds had was a first down. And, uh, it, I mean, it was really impressive to see the way that he played at the start of the season. And then look at the way the team rewarded him at the end of the season, right? Remember the incentives and, and, and the That's way right. that they worked to get him incentives and everything. They love him. They Dan Campbell loves the serpent of death, the praying mantis, the everything. I think it makes a ton of sense. The Donovan Peoples Jones one, much less sense to me just because I've seen him as a punt returner. 
And you saw like one punt return. There needs to be a backup option of punt return, but I think that speaks to just like his spot that he yeah. occupies on the roster, right? Like Amon Ron Jameson are one and two. Josh Reynolds is number three. If you bring him back, you have Khalif. Like you have to have versatility if you're at the end of the depth chart. And that's kind of where I'm at with DPJ. You mentioned Sun God, and that's where we're going next. We have a little bit of time to talk extensions. And I feel like this was the big story this week, uh, Ryan, was the numbers floating around on how much are you going to pay Amon Ra St. Brown? And you've got the golf extension still floating around, too. And I guess, Jeremy, I know you have a specific question off of it, but numbers I saw for Amon Ra St. Brown, like I think if the Lions get him for something like so someone someone asked me earlier, would you do three years, 45 million? I'm like, yeah, sure. In a heartbeat. But he's not going to give you three years, 45 million. He feels like St. Brown has kind of dropped hints that he's. I I don't know if unhappy is the word, but it has become a priority in that like, hey, you got me late in the draft. I'm not making a lot of money right now for my production. There was that bit of a joke that he like did all the Super Bowl appearances because he needed the money. Right. But, but I mean, it's kind of true. Lions are only paying him like what? Like yeah. over a, a little over a million dollars. I Oh, yeah. A fourth I, round rookie contract is almost veteran minimum. Yeah. So. The number that keeps coming up is 25 million, which what, that was how much it would be per yeah. year. And I would say that if you get him at 25 million, that's excellent. That's going to be less than guys like Justin Jefferson, the other, the quote unquote prototypical wide receivers that always muddy up every time we talk about Amon Ra St. Brown as a top receiver, as a top receiver in this league. But Amon Ra St. Brown is a top 10 receiver in this league. I, I wish I could break him into top five, but I have to do crazy math to do it. He's right outside that top five. He may not do those, those long deep balls that you expect, but like, damn man, like he's worth every penny of it right now. If if the lions get a deal done for around 25 million, I consider that a sweet spot. I would, I probably, they'll probably have to go higher than that, but like, I'd be more than comfortable with that at this point. He has been the receiver who has made this this offense tick. And we just there, there's been weeks where we're just like, yeah, we don't need to talk about Amon Ross St. Brown because he's just doing what he does every damn week. Right. Yeah. So there are only currently four wide receivers that make twenty five million a year or more. A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, Devonta Adams and Tyree Kill. Cooper Cup is kind of a, a nice little comparison tool because he he isn't right that outside prototypical guy he's just a guy who's very very good he got that contract a couple years ago though and so Mm -hmm. um you know you wonder the salary cap you know there are reports going out today that the salary cap could be up almost 10 11 12 percent in one year from where it was last year and so salaries are going to increase about by that rate too so if it's the same thing, same game we play with the quarterbacks all the time, right? Like the the new batch of quarterback extensions, all of them get set the market or get close to setting the market. And you're like, why is this quarterback getting paid so much? Because that's how it works when you get new contracts. Because how is Matthew Stafford the, the most paid quarterback in the league? Because inflation, that's why. Yes. And so whether you believe Amon Ross St. Brown is a top five quarterback or not, he is going to get paid like a top five quarterback. So that likely means 25 million. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Wide receiver. Um, so he's probably going to get 25-ish a million. I, I put an estimate out there to our Pride Detroit Direct subscribers. I said four years, either 95 or 97 and a half million. Probably a little bit low and a little bit hopeful, but he's going to get paid. And people will raise their eyebrows and say, oh, this guy for a slot guy, but forget about it. You're, the production, the man, the production. And just like the nitpickiness of like, no, he should be making, you know, 23 million. It's going to 25. Relax. It's not that big of a deal. You're debating only a couple million a year. Get out of here. And the last point I want to make, too, is a lot of times when you hear 25 million a year, you go like your brain automatically goes, oh, God, he's going to cost 25 million against our cap for the next four years. No, not the same. A lot of times you can structure a contract in which if you're getting, you know, 25 million a year for four years. None of those cap hits are above 25 until the last one. And they might not even see the last year of that contract. So don't don't get too hung up on those numbers and be like 25 million a year. OK, I got to subtract that from the 50 million in cap space. The lines have that. Oh, my God, that means I only got 25 million. No, that's not how it works. It, it'll be a low cap, low hit for the first year. So, yeah, the, the one other thing I'll say about the Cooper Cup extension was what well, it was three years. I think I believe 80.1 million 
uh, 75 million of it was guaranteed. So like a lot of that deal was guaranteed. And I'm sure that Amon Ra would want a good hefty chunk and percentage guaranteed, which is something that's becoming the new norm with guys mm-hmm. who it, it's a leverage point, I think for yeah. guys that are sure. elite. And, and I think Amon Ra's definitely entered that tier. I am not interested in getting in the business of giving Jared Goff less options. So there's no squabbling about money. Right. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Just he gets paid. Right. And give him all the the guaranteed money you want. He's yeah. he's a dependable player. He does his, yeah. his squat lifts, so he's not going to get injured. We, we I think I think it's just we fell in love with too many other guys this year and we just kind of forget how integral St. Brown is to this offense. Like we fell in. And I mean, that's fine. Because we added Jameer Gibbs, we saw Jamison Williams, we added Sam Laporta, but like that is still you need a guy to ice a game for you. It's still St. Brown and still he's still going to have the touchdown passes. He's still the red zone threat. He's still doing the angry catches and runs after and yards after completion. Like this is what makes it tick. So I think, Jeremy, you wanted to scope uh, Goff and St. Brown in this is is uh, how much is too much for either of them, because Jared. I, I almost feel hesitant to touch the Jared Goff contract because I don't think there's going to be any good. All the debate around the Jared Goff extension is just um, it's going to happen. So yeah. I'm not sure why people are fighting it as much as they are or nitpicking or having to bring up the Ram stuff as much. Like, I also get it. I've always had a long list of concerns about Jared Goff, but I think a lot of those concerns were put to bed this year. And again, like with St. Brown, he's not a player who jumps off the page and screams at you that this guy should be getting paid. I mean, this guy should be considered a top quarterback in the league. And I still consider there are shortcomings to Goff versus someone like, you know, like like the best quarterbacks out there. And your national blowhard would say, yeah, but you should be going for a guy like Patrick Mahomes. And like, I, that's nice, man, but I'm not willing to suffer those years in between. And I think you can win. I'm sorry. I will make this into whether the quarterback can win. Jared Goff can win you games. Yeah. So like how much is too much for both Goff and St. Brown? I guess, because that's ultimately the next question after that is right. How much are you going to pay him? Yeah. And I think like the, the, the figure that everyone is is wondering about with with Jared is like that fifty million a year designation. Again, there's only there's four quarterbacks currently that have make make fifty million a year: Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and Jalen Hurts. Does he cross into that threshold of those kind of quarterbacks? And you can certainly make listen. I we don't need to shy away from it. Like all three of us have been pretty critical of Jared Goff for the entirety of his Lions career. Um, it I'm always feels give- like there's he's been succeeding, and then we're like, yeah, but he still has these limitations that we're right. worried about Even showing this up year. at some point. Right. Even this yeah. year, like he had that stretch in the middle of the season where the, the turnovers started coming back. But that being said, I think I'm in a place of comfort of giving him 50 million a year. I don't want it to be too much more than that. I would like for it to be less than that, but I understand the economics of the situation. I think maybe the more interesting conversation is how many years you add on to his contract because he's getting well, he's 29 this year, I think. How long do you expect him to keep keep it up? Do you ever want to give Hendon Hooker a shot at the starting lineup? He, I mean, he's already, what, 27, 28? So, you know, this idea that you're going to, you know, Jordan Love, your, your way into transferring, if that's the case, I don't think you could give Goff more than three years, but I don't, I don't know. I don't think that's how the Lions view their situation. I don't think they're like, okay, we're going to develop and have our, our Hall of Fame quarterback in the waiting. I don't I think you go and draft a guy who's 26, 27 years old with that in mind. So I I, I don't know. I don't know where they go from here. It, it, it's an interesting conversation. Like, I think, again, Ryan, Tom Brady threw all of this off in that we keep expecting all quarter, these quarterbacks to play until they're 40. But there is a point that we've seen some quarterbacks hitting their mid 30s and then kind of falling off that cliff. And how long do the Lions want to tie their ship to Jared Goff? Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned Tom Brady, right? Because I think the other thing that people get uh, disillusioned oh, with no. is this idea of the hometown, hometown discount, right? Discount. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do want to say a couple of things about a golf contract. I think that, to Jeremy's point, the duration is the most fascinating topic because I wonder how much leverage Jared Goff thinks he has and how much leverage Brad Holmes thinks he has because I think that those are two – I think that they both have – maybe different perceptions of what that reality is. And I only say that because they used a third round pick on Hendon Hooker. 
I don't think Brad Holmes is in the business of wasting any draft picks, let alone a third round pick. I'm not suggesting that Hendon Hooker should be the starter. That I'm not doing that at all. I'm wondering from a point of discussions for a contract extension, where do their realities align and where are they different? Because I think that there may be a bigger disparity that exists between Jared Goff, who, yes, 12 wins in a season The Lions haven't done that in my lifetime times two. Uh, you know, they like I, I think the first playoff win, right? Like there, there's a lot of accolades and accomplishments that Jared Goff racked up along the way. It's not like they drafted Hendon Hooker after the 2021 season, right? They drafted mm-hmm. him after they saw 10 very good games of Jared Goff. Yes, they needed to see more and they saw for the most part, almost a whole season of that. I I wonder, again, I just wonder how much leverage he has. And the other thing about Tom Brady that you mentioned, Chris, that made me think about hometown discount is how self-aware is Jared Goff to know that Tom Brady took a lot of those discounts because he wanted to keep a team around him. Yeah, I don't think that there's anything more important to Jared Goff than to not have the level of talent where Khalif Raymond is your number one wide receiver. I'm not saying that that's going to happen all of a sudden. But, but he you start is also paying guys also, like Panay and you start paying guys like Amon Ra and oh, Laporta's deal might be up at, at the same time that, you know, Jared Goff is still in Detroit. I, when do we start making concessions for Jared Goff? I mean, that's always been the, the theory about like, you know, teams like the 49ers who can keep getting cheap quarterbacks, too, is that you can pay everyone else and getting that kind of discount. I won't call it a hometown discount because it's not his hometown, but. You, you bring up a good point there. I just know the thing that worries me is that he seems to be doing a lot of the talking about the contract through his agent right now. And it definitely seems like this seems to be a priority as far as what he can get on this, because this might be depending on how he comes off with the Lions, like his last big contract in the NFL. Listen, people, listen. people people thought the Rams contract that he signed might have been the last big right. deal he ever signed, right. right? We we chanted this guy's name in every Michigan sporting event for the last <laughs> for weeks, like an two, entire week. Weeks. <laughs> this is his home. Give us the yeah. hometown discount. Ah, <laughs> uh, you know who's going to give you a hometown discount right now? We are on meat. On meat. See? See, I can actually do a good toss here. Righteous <laughs> felon. Uh, craft jerky and meat sticks. I just put in a whole brand new order and I have some very exciting news to share, Ryan. Uh, the turkey jerky is apparently back. Finally, the turkey jerky is back. They sold out of several other flavors I was trying to get on there, but uh, I definitely I put in a new um, box on there and I, I got the right. I got the turkey jerky. I got the habanero Escobar. I got the uh, the the. Uh, Soul Survivor. What was what was actually sold out, though? I'm trying to remember, but oh, it was the Victorious B.I.G. The beer infused one was sold out. And I was sad about that, but still like. It's jerky, it's meat. Oh, look at Jeremy himself. Right. The the foul Capone. Yeah. Which is like Chris said, available now. So like if you want to buy it, Chris, do you have anything that could make the deal a little bit sweeter? I'm going to tell you about that in a second, but we got to tell you that the it's the righteous felon is the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. We're not just simps for righteous felon craft jerky. Righteous felon craft jerky and meat sticks are also available to the Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. And each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams. If it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. righteous felon Westchester, Pennsylvania. Look at that foul Capone. That is turkey. Turkey jerky with basil and spices. It is so good. This is why we 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 shilled this stuff nonstop here, man. That stuff, the truffle bill, truffle, truffle flavor jerky, Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef, superior quality, revolutionary branding, unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. And as I said, as we teased, there is a discount a hometown discount. They're giving it to us so we can give it to you. Righteousfelon.com. Use the promo code POD15 at checkout to get 15% off your order at any time. Use it as much as you want. That code doesn't go away. Sometimes you run a 20% code, but we've got the 15 all year round. Helps us out, gets you meat. What's not to love? That's promo code POD15 at righteousfelon.com. Yes, Ryan. 
Chris, I actually heard that the reason why Jared Goff is going through his agent is because he's so frustrated at the lack of Falco Capone at the facility in Allen Park <laughs> that he won't get a deal done until they're restocked. Hopefully, since they're selling them to you guys, I, I'm just saying a little birdie told me this, but mm-hmm. Jared Goff wants meat in his contract. Give him the meat. Give him the meat, Lions. When we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. It's time for superlatives, baby. It's our favorite pod. It's one of our favorite podcasts of the year. We get to do superlatives on the Lions season that was. Stick around. Be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge? That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Right to Detroit POD cast rolling along here. It is our favorite time of the year. It's time to do superlatives. Superlatives, superlatives, da-da-da-da-da. Ryan. We like doing superlatives. We have endeavored to try to fit all of this in in about 30 minutes or so, so we can keep this in a very nice, pretty package for our podcast. So we have our, these are basically in place of awards. So I turn over the baton of control to you. Yeah, I love game show off season. It's the Mm. best. Um, Okay, so it is as it is. The superlatives for the 2023 season, um, but also kind of looking forward a little bit because that was, you know, the first segment of our podcast. So uh, the first superlative, the player who surprised you the most this season, whether it was in a positive way or a negative way, doesn't have to be both. Just choose one or the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jeremy, do you have a name that comes to mind for the player who surprised you the most in 2023? Okay. And it, it comes with a little bit of an asterisk because I expected him to be good. I did not expect him to be this good, particularly out of the gate. It's Sam Laporta because we, we all told ourselves the narrative that, that has been around for a while with tight ends, which is Sam Laporta looks great, but you got to curb your expectations a little bit here. It's a rookie tight end. It takes a while. You know, it, it takes a while to get that chemistry with Jared Goff. Nope. Not for Sam Laporta. It doesn't. The game was never too big for him right out of the gate. He started being a, a high impact player. And the fact that he set the rookie record for receptions, the fact that he set all sorts of internal records for the Detroit Lions was a very big and a very, very pleasant surprise. So he, to me, is the guy who surprised me the most. Yeah, I was going to go Laporta, but in, in a uh, chance to do something different than you, I'm not sure where where are we starting the surprise at, Ryan? Can it start in the preseason or sure, does it have to yeah. be in the season itself? Yeah, okay, no. like Go I ahead. thought define Branch, it yourself. Okay, well, let me let me let me split it between two DBs because like if we're including preseason, Brian Branch is my guy there. Like I I knew he would be good. Like Jeremy said, not this good, not making the plays that he was making all over the place. But if I have to exclude the preseason, it will probably go to another DB, to Afatu Melifonwu, from someone who when we bring it up all the time, he was off a lot of our bubble washes for a very long time, and the move to safety just really helped him out and 
took him about half the season, but when he started to bring in the the safety blitzes, I mean the safety blitzes and the and the sack numbers and everything, it's like, damn, damn, someone replaced this man with a different man, and he is a man. Dude, I yeah. mean, I feel like if Atumelafanu was on our bubble watch for most of training camp, yeah. and there was a belief that he might not be on the team, right? Like it, yeah. it had been two years. He had done essentially nothing. And granted, some of that was because he was making a position change. Some of that was due to injury, but I don't think anyone expected anything from Ifatu Melifanu this year. So that, I think oh. that's a really good answer too. Uh, you want to do the negative ones too, or can we do a separate one for negative? No, uh, you can, if you want though, go ahead. Players okay. Most negative. Negative. In a negative and it's, fashion. it's a little bit of nitpicky, but um, by the end of the year, I kind of got worried when Kirby Joseph was starting to make plays yeah. because man, he was getting like, maybe I was just hearing from some Rams people I work with, but he was starting to get a reputation for being a little bit dirty out there that he was. I, I don't think he is, but it was always this thing that Kirby Joseph was felt like a lot of plays where I'm like, Oh no, is Kirby Joseph going to draw a flag from sportsmanlike conduct here? Yeah. And honestly, his level of play is particularly early in the season was not, that like straight upward trajectory that we were all expecting. Like he came, came on hard at the end of the, his rookie season, where it's just like, he's getting to every ball. He's picking off Aaron Rodgers every opportunity he got. And then it was like, Oh, Aaron Rodgers isn't in the division again. I guess I have no one to intercept the ball from anymore. <laughs> um, but then, you know, he, he eventually like he got a couple maybe against Minnesota. He definitely got one against Minnesota where he celebrated before he even got tackled. Um, and I felt like he, he eventually picked things up, but I, I would say, it was not necessarily a step forward for him this year. And that, that definitely was yeah. surprising. Um, my answer, I think my answer is Jonah. We, we already talked about him a bunch, so I don't need to go in deep with it, but just some like uncharacteristic bad play from him, particularly in pass protection. I didn't think it was the best year there. And the injury stuff is, is what it is. I don't think it's a testament to who he is as a, as a person or uh, showing that he lacks grit or anything like that. I don't, I, I throw away all those notions that he's not trying hard. I, I'm of the full belief that he would have played in the Super Bowl had the Lions gotten there. Um, and and that and that's something that we praised Graham or not Graham Frank for doing, right? Like getting the surgery and then coming back two weeks later. I think that's what would have happened there. So um just a disappointing season from him. I I don't necessarily that mean means you shouldn't pay him, but it it's definitely gonna be part of the conversation. Yeah. All right. Uh next superlative player who most overachieved in 2023. Mm. So I think this really takes into account, Chris, like your expectations for the player that you had coming into training camp and uh, that player most overachieved from where your expectations were. Damn, I guess here, here the problem is once again, like I feel like I want to go back to a Fatu Melifonwu again, but in the sake of trying to do something different. um, I don't know, Jeremy. It felt like we were kind of we were kind of bearish on the idea of what a second year of Jamison Williams, a second year of him shortened was a, was capable of achieving. And by the end of the year, like we thought he'd be fine. We thought he would be an option in this offense, but I don't think we saw that he would make the kind of plays that we had. Like he played like we kind of expected Jamison Williams out of Alabama to play in several points in this year. So in the in the interest of not just naming Iffy again, I think I'll go with I think I'll go with JMO. JMO's an interesting answer because I think I think there's definitely an expect there was like an expectation that he would eventually turn it around and, and get to where he was. But I had gotten pretty close to the breaking point with him. Mm -hmm. Like around the midway part of the season where it just I think plenty of fans did. Yeah. And and you know, I, I tried to be as balanced and, and give him as much leeway as possible because he didn't, you know, have an offseason last year and or two years ago. And then this year, his training camp got cut and then he's away from the team. But like, there were some really bad mental mistakes he was making in those first four or five games that he was back. And I'm just like, is this kid going to turn it around? Because I mean, if, if you're drafting him 12th overall and he still hasn't figured it out when you're like by the end of year two, there there's reason to be critical of that draft pick, but he definitely turned things around. My don't, I don't like to try to bring up uh, Twitch chat too much on the recorded POD cast. Someone does, though, chime in and say that we did have that podcast where I think most of us were like an eight or a nine out of ten <laughs> on the worry scale on yeah. JMO. Like that's that's how far we were, like just concerned about what what is Jamison Williams with the Detroit Lions. Right. Yeah. I, th I think Ryan was probably the least 
if I remember correctly. Worried. Uh, I got most worried after the hamstring injury in training camp. Yeah. Like, I feel like I wouldn't say it was my breaking point, but it was my point where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to free myself of expectations because I I, I don't want to set him up for failure. The, the guy that I would say overachieved the most was Derek Barnes because I know, I I know Kevin Shepard warned us all off season that he's coming. And I know by this point, Kelvin Shepard should be trusted when he says something like that. But when you draft Jack Campbell, you assume, okay, fine. Derek Barnes is going to come out. Maybe he starts the first six, seven games of the season. Then Jack Campbell takes over. It's not what happened. Derek Barnes essentially was a starter all freaking year. And yes, he split time with Jack Campbell, but played a lot more than Jack Campbell did. Comes up with the, maybe the biggest play of the entire season. I, I was very impressed with what he did. Overachieved almost sounds like, you expect him to regress next year. And maybe that is a little bit of the expectation for Derek Barton, simply by nature of, of Jack Campbell getting better, but either way uh, you've improved the Lions' depth there. And, and I think you should be pretty excited for where Derek Barnes is at right now. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to the newcomer who in 2023, who the, who the 2023 Lions wouldn't have been the same without. So like, um, this could be uh, a rookie that they brought in a, you know, free agent signing, uh, any newcomer to the team last season, um, who would the, uh, who would the lions not have been the same without Jameer Gibbs, Jameer Gibbs. If you want me to, I'll make it a double parter with, with David Montgomery, but that, that run offense isn't, isn't doing anything without someone like Jameer Gibbs. And I'm bringing it up because I want to keep just twisting that knife in Jeremy about the draft pick. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, Jeremy spending in, money in free agency on a running back. That, like, that too. Like, like the investment in the RB position paid off tremendously yeah. this year for the Detroit Lions. They overhauled it on both front on, on the one, two on both fronts. I think Gibbs had the larger impact. And I think moving forward, he will be the one with the larger impact. I'm not taking anything away from David Montgomery, but like, man, every time Jameer gets touched that ball, like the ability to have that run game to set up everything else that the offense does to always like we, I, th- I think we talked about it, Ryan, during the Super Bowl. What what the the 49ers got away from identity and it felt like they were doing third and long way too much. And that's why we lost the Super Bowl. The Lions, the Lions, their identity is they don't want to be in third and long. And they they want to be rolling over you for the first downs. And you don't get that without Jameer Gibbs just suddenly going nuclear. Well, you also don't have a run game without your offensive line. In fact, I would say it starts there. And you don't have a good offensive line if you don't sign Graham Glasgow. Because you instantly lose Halapuli Vati Vaitai. You have Frank Ragno going in and out of the lineup. Graham was essential this year. I think easily their best free agent signing. Although, you know, you did have, I think David Montgomery deserves to be in this conversation as well, but I think Graham Glasgow was in terms of the, the the price you paid for him in terms of the reliability, in terms of the, the level of play, right? Like he finished as a top 10 PFF guard in the NFL. I think the lines aren't going to be able to run. Like your, your offensive line is only as good as your weakest link. And the right guard position would have been the weakest link. We saw Colby Sorsdal go in yeah. and play a little bit. We saw Aushika come in a little bit. Neither of those were pretty pleasant to watch. And so without Graham, I think the offense looks way different and not at all in a good way. So I think that's, I mean, that's why we talked in the first segment about why he's probably the number one priority mm-hmm. re-signing. Yeah. All right, real quick on this one. Uh, player who this team couldn't have gotten to the NFC Championship game without. And I feel like Jared Goff is a cheating answer, but if you want to say Jared Goff, that's fine. Uh, hold on. I, I I almost feel like anyone on the offensive line is a cheating air answer, Jeremy. Like <laughs> we could easily make this. I could just say Frank Ragnow. You could say Panay Sewell and we move right. on. <laughs> True. Like, I'd but, love to say I'm on Ross St. Brown, but like, come on, Decker, Sewell, Ragnow, pick your poison. I will. I want to say, say I would say Ragnow of all those. Like you're if, not going anywhere without Ragnow. I hate to give this guy even more love because we've already said his name a million times, but I feel like the thing that pulled the Lions out of that midseason bump was not the offense. It was Ifatu Melifanwu. Mm-hmm. 
he changed the dynamic of that defense where, yes, they were giving up a ton of yards, but they were suddenly getting these explosive plays on defense, whether they were sacks or interceptions. So I don't know if the Lions ever pulled themselves out of that that midseason lull without Ifatu Melifanu, which means they may have not have won the division, which means they may not have had a home playoff game. Like a lot of things may have played out way differently if, if he doesn't come on and, and, and really play to his full potential at the end of the season. Yeah. The, I'm just going to say a name because we didn't say his name once, but like the lions without Aiden Hutchinson, I don't know what that defense looks like. So also, yeah, very, 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 true, very true. It's it's a shame that we are halfway, probably beyond the halfway point of this, this segment and have not mentioned Aiden. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So this is more off season based superlatives. The player who should be most worried about losing their spot this off season. Mm-hmm. In terms of their playing time, so like let's not maybe necessarily say, you know, somebody's going to go from getting a bunch of playing time to, you know, no playing time at all. But like who just any player who you see as somebody who maybe was a big contributor last year and we're going to see less contributions from them next year. Because someone's taking their spot. Yeah, Barnes might be one of those guys with Jack Campbell probably expected to take a a bigger role next year. Mm -hmm. Trying to think if there's a different answer since I just talked about Barnes, but I feel like I feel like mine might be a retread of a name too. The problem is, is like everywhere I'm thinking of, it's already places where they're losing players, right, Jeremy? Yeah, like yeah, I, I'd be like, okay, yeah, like maybe someone in the DBs loses it or a CB, but you're gonna probably we'll have to see what happens with CJ Gardner Johnson and Jerry Jacobs. But like, do I have like? It, Okay, I, I know I mentioned him earlier. We mentioned how set kind of the safeties were, but I could absolutely see a universe where Kirby Joseph takes a step back next year. Like, I, I don't think... I know the other yeah. competition at safety isn't fantastic right now. You've got, you know, I think he's moved past Tracy Walker and if and Afatu Melifonwu, but if Tracy plays well in, in camp in tries to get his position back or if the lions do decide they want CJ Gardner Johnson or gets another safety. Like I don't think Kirby's a locked in starter at all. Unfortunately, I think Tracy Walker's days uh, with the Detroit lions are numbered. Um, But I want to throw throw a quick wild card out there. Okay. I have one that I, I I wrote all of these and then I worked backwards. I turned like (laughs) I, I I jeopardied them. Like I had the answer and then I formed the question. Yeah. So Brock Wright. I think the Lions are going to go out there and try to upgrade the tight end to position. Yeah. I'm not, I think he comes back to be clear. I do think this team really likes James Mitchell, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they upgraded from that. I think Zilstra is a free agent as well. Like we could see a vast overhaul of the uh, tight end room. Yeah. Real quick. My answer was Cam Sutton as the team's number one cornerback. Okay. So he gets demoted, but still probably plays. Still plays all the snaps for (laughs) sure. Right. But it wouldn't surprise me to see the Lions be aggressive in the sense that like a cornerback comes in who can make him more comfortable as the team CB too. I mean, that seems to be the big, the big thing that people are keep, you know, mocking Warners to the Lions. I think more people are warming on the idea of a second, a second uh, edge rusher as well. I mean, a second DE, but like CB one has been on the minds of every fan since, yeah. Since probably about the middle of the season. They they could get by with their edge defenders. Like if Josh Pascal is edge two opposite Aiden, that's workable. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't have a solution at corner right now. So I think, I think that's the the definitely more pressing need. I, I think the reason people are bringing up edge is mostly just because like where they are in the draft at at, at 29, like sure. um, like that seems to be where there's going to be more second level DEs available versus cornerbacks. Uh, well, this one's real quick just for fun, but the position group most likely to be next year's quote unquote bloodbath to borrow Kelvin Shepard talking <laughs> about the linebacker room. So like, what's the position group where you feel like there's going to be the most competition and opportunity to be had? I feel like we keep dancing around it, Jeremy. It's CBs. They got they got to add the competition first. They got to add the yeah. competition first, but then it it's like throwing a bunch of koi fish into a pond here, right? Or not koi, I, um, fighting fish. I I think it might be edge though. I mean, the same kind of conversation we're just having, but I think it also could be edge. Like you you throw in James Houston, you throw in 
your your Canadian guy that I keep forgetting Throwing his name. Bats, Matthew Betts. Matthew, Matthew Betts. Yeah. You you throw in Josh Pascal. I know they're they're kind of different types of edge, but like who who amongst those guys are going to get a lot of playing time? Who yeah, who the only one Kaminsky feels- is Kaminsky even going to be on the roster? Like he has a very big pay jump. I don't know. Is, is there going to be another rookie in there too? Right. Yeah. And right? so yeah. I feel like I feel like of- the only one set there is is Hutchinson. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Player who set themselves up for higher expectations next season based on their performance this year. I think it's Jameson Williams. I think it's a good answer. Yeah. I, we've seen enough flashes out of him that once again, I, I worry, I worry because we might be, might be first verse, same as the first Ryan, that the fantasy, the fantasy football community is now going to expect giant big plays out of him, even though the offense kind of goes a lot through Laporta and, and St. Brown, but Williams, like you've seen those deep threats, you see it enough in, in there. And I think now you just want to see more touches from Jamison Williams. But if he is the deep threat, more touches means a hell of a lot more explosive, a uh, hell of a lot more explosive plays. So yeah, his expectations will probably be the one to skyrocket the most. Like Jameer Gibbs already has pretty, has met his expectations fairly well for an RB. I don't, I don't think Laporta can push his expectations even further than he really did without getting into just like year two hall of fame bull levels of stuff. So I think my answer is Jamison Williams. Like he showed you enough, but now he could show you a lot more. And I think that's where the expectation ceiling is a lot higher for him. That's, that's a really good answer. I, I think Gibbs is an okay answer too, because like, yeah, I mean, he had an outstanding season, but I think, the expectation he's going to be kind of more catches exactly as, mm-hmm. as Ryan is pantomiming. Um, but also like RB one numbers, right? He wasn't quite there because he was splitting the load so much with Dave Montgomery. And that's not going to go away completely. You know, I don't know what the final numbers were, but they were probably somewhat close to 50, 50. I imagine the split is going to be more 65, 35 in Gibbs's favor next year. Um, may, maybe a little bit closer than that, but um, I, I just, I laugh because, it's easy now to say that like, oh yeah, Gibbs was like amazing in his rookie season and he met expectations, but you go like rewind back to September, late September, early October. Mm-hmm. You remember mm-hmm. what the narratives were back then? <laughs> you remember what everyone was saying about Jameer Gibbs back then? We're not yep. using him enough. Was, was yeah, a fan same, same fantasy, same fantasy stuff yeah. as with J-Mo. The right? lines yeah. are wasting. They spend a first round pick on their running back that they're not even using. Look, the Lions couldn't get... <laughs> you know, anything out of DeAndre Swift and look at what he's doing. Maybe right. the Lions just don't know how to use backs like DeAndre Swift and Jameer Gibbs. <laughs> mm. Whoop. Uh, flash forward three months later. Yeah. So, I, I mean, getting a full season out of Jameer Gibbs uh, in kind of a more RB1 role, I think, could set the bar very high for me. And, and I said it a podcast or two ago, like, I believe he is already in the conversation of a top five running back. Mm-hmm. He can move into, like, top three category with a, with a full year. You, you know, I honorable mention, I don't think they, they've been I, I think he's already at a lot of the expectations, but I, I do feel like at least from a counting stat perspective, there's probably going to be higher expectations next year for Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> um, Just like he had 11 and a half sacks, which I think put him tied for 12th in the league. And but a lot of the play of watching Hutchinson is you see the pressure he's creating, but I think people expect him to to finish on a lot of those. There, there were a lot of games, Jeremy, where we're just watching Aiden Hutchinson struggling like hell to, to get around the edge and, and, and try to, and try to catch, catch the quarterback. And he's just not able to get home. So I think there's going to be more expectations for Hutch next year. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that level of expectation entering next year is, is what JJ Watt said of him at mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, which is be in the conversation for the sack leader in, in the NFL. And that's that's a big jump, right? That is going a big from jump. going from eleven and a half sacks to potentially like twenty. I mean, yeah, you're yeah, your like sack leader this year your... was TJ Watt at nineteen. So right, yeah. <laughs> so you have to be around that number. But is is Aiden Hutchinson capable of that? I I think he is. Might be. I, I, I think the answer for me. We keep on saying his name all the time, but it's a Fatu Malafanu. <laughs> yeah. We have mm. we have we have eight games of data that suggests that a Fatu Malafanu should be the starting safety yeah. opposite Kirby Joseph. Um, but it's just eight games, and it feels like a whole lot to put. Like, if the Lions don't reunite with CJGJ, it's like okay, Kirby Joseph, Fatu Malafanu, and 
who are our other safeties, right? Like, I don't know that that might be a sneaky off season need because I, you want to feel comfortable doing it, but also like it could go sideways. You don't have too much, too much there um, with, with iffy. Is can can we sign CJ Moore yet? <laughs> See, not suspended anymore. For I have no idea. I have no um, idea. All right, this is this is my favorite one. So I I hate if we're a little bit pinched for time, but uh, the player the Lions need to get more out of in 2024 to justify their investment. So like whether it was a big contract or it was their position where they were drafted, which player do the Lions need to get more out of to justify their investment of said player? Jeremy, are we already kind of throwing in the towel on Cam Sutton's investment or do we feel like? No, that I'm not. Like so, so, but I. But yes. So he's my answer. A good answer. You need to get Great more invest, more out of that investment. Then yes, no question. I mean, eleven million a year, and and to be clear, like last year, I think he only cost like three or four million against the camp. Now it jumps up to like twelve, thirteen, or whatever it is. Yeah, it's a backloaded so, contract. Yeah, right. And so yes, like if if you're gonna play to your cap hit, you you better play to your cap hit now. No more losing a step on literally everyone you're covering. Yeah, I mean, my my answer doesn't feel fair because I, I don't expect this person to justify the initial investment made on him, given everything he's gone through already. But like, is it, is it fair to say Levi owns the Rike? Now, mm. That might be that might be someone I've already thrown the towel in on. Right. So that's probably yeah. not my answer at all. Like, I I'm going to say like, that's too easy, too easy of an answer. <laughs> OK, uh, I do. I'm I'm stealing from Chet now a little bit. I, I think Josh Pascal is a great answer. That's mm. who I had in mind when I wrote right. this. Like this is where we, we saw a couple of year three jumps from, from people in, in 2023. He would be a great guy and a very important guy to see a year three jump from because listen, there there are excuses for, for his relatively limited play, whether it's injuries or opportunity or, or all that sort of stuff. But there, all those excuses are gone at this point. Like you're in year three, you've had the same defensive coordinator. Unfortunately, you're going to have a third different defensive line coach, but the new guy comes in with, with a lot of um, reputation, a lot of history of, of developing young players. So I think, I think this has to be a breakout year for Josh Pascal. Otherwise we're looking at that pick and kind of scratching our head. Yeah. yeah. The, the only other name I'll throw out there is one we've said before, but Jameson Williams. You moved all the way up to grab JMO. True. And yeah, there's a lot of encouraging things. It's kind of like the iffy thing, right? Where like mm-hmm. he set his expectations much higher. You would assume that Jameson would have even more expectations going into next season. And uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who like you hope that he can catch 65 passes, right? In a yeah. season. Yeah. Speaking, and, of, yeah. speak, speaking of draft investment too, like I'm still trying to figure out when Broderick Martin really gets to show why the Lions were spending a third round draft pick on him. And I know it's the end of the third round, but still like you that that was your draft investment capital. I know they have to kind of slow walk him and Colby Sorsdol, but at least like we we have the path to Sorsdol. And I think we have much high lower expectation of Sorsdol because he was, you know, later on day three. But Martin, I think it's it's also the need right now, right? Like the Lions need more interior defensive yeah. linemen. And so you would, and you know, we're already, I, I think, again, this goes back to the question on Levi on Zarike, but like, you know, someone's, someone's got to step up and be up there with McNeil. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good answer too. And it, I don't think it's a condemnation of, of how his rookie season went. I think it mostly went how everyone According expected. According to plan. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, they yeah, did, they, did tr- they tried him during that Raiders game and it didn't go so well, but um you know, they they said from the very get go that that guy was a developmental guy, and and is a third round pick a little high for a developmental guy? Maybe, but I think the the expectation is that you get on the field in year two. Hopefully, by the end of year two, you show like you can potentially have a starting level hmm. body of work. And then in year three, I think is when like you really hit the okay. You should be either a starter or a heavy contributor by then. Yeah. All right, that has been. We did it. Superlatives. Hell yeah. Made good time on it too. Yeah. Fantastic. I think I think we actually finished that uh about the same time it took Jeremy to read all the alerts on Twitch. All right. All right, Ryan, you get to read the alerts now. 
I don't want to do that job. <laughs> Just wait till Nick the Greek comes in. Oh, Have fun. <laughs> On that note, I think we're going to get out of here. Uh, we've got midweek mailbag is back and we've got yep. the Twitter. Well, not we can't really call it a Twitter spaces show because it's not really Twitter spaces. But at the same time, we're also arguing about the name of the show itself. Just for the time being, the the, the website formerly known as Twitter and the sub app formerly known as Twitter spaces call in show. Yeah. Just wait until we kill that platform, too. Oh, God. <laughs> Make sure, hey, Blue Sky, Blue, Blue Sky and Blue Sky is open now. You don't need an invite for Blue Sky. Blue Sky places, spaces? Sky spaces. Sky I don't, spaces. Uh, what are we doing? What are we doing? Anyway, <laughs> either way, that just means we have a loaded, loaded off season. Lots more content to come. We have some big plans coming here down the line, but we are now less than a month away from the opening of NFL free agency. We're going to be giving you a lot of previews on the next few POD casts about free agency, more topics about the Detroit lions. The combine is next week, Chris. The combine is next week. The combine, the underwear Olympics. Who doesn't love that? Are we sending Jeremy to the combine? Like we sent him to the senior bowl. Absolutely not. I will go to the combine one year, but not this year. You don't want to go to St. Elmo's Steakhouse? No, the shrimp cocktails. No, the shrimp cocktails. I got sick off shrimp cocktails in high school. Disgusting. It's, it's super spicy, you guys. It's really cool. I'm Chris Perfett at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. Ryan Matthews, the rock god at Ryan underscore POD. As always, we'll see you star side. Pride to Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com.